views presented in this program are not meant to represent the specific views of Aletheia Bible Fellowship. You are listening to an ABF Studios production. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure all of you on YouTube are subscribed and ring the bell so you can be informed of all of our upcoming shows. If you're interested in this ministry or other shows, you can check us out at abfstudios.org where you can access more podcasts, learn more about ABF, and our local church in Portland, Oregon. Now, with all that being said, I'm Tiffany, your ABF Studios director, and this is Truth Time. Welcome to Truth Time. This is Pastor Monty, and I'm sitting here with the senior elder of Lathia Bible Fellowship, Pastor Josh, and we are going to be sitting the next hour Uh, talking about things that are going to be beneficial to you as a disciple of Christ. And that uh, is our goal. Um, You'll bear with us uh, as we are experiencing a little bit of technical difficulty. Trying out a new system. Trying out a new system, see if we can get it up and running and working, uh, which will be beneficial in the long run. But, of course, there is uh, growing pains. Uh, so we're going to, uh, basically today we're going to, uh, as it were, uh, pick up where we left off uh, last season, where this last season was season five, we're now in season six. If you'd like, you can go back and you can review season five. Uh, it's available on YouTube um, and other platforms as well, I believe. Um, but um, you can go back and you can review Season 5. We want to pick up and summarize uh, where we were ending Season 5 and pick up into a new season. This is Season 6, Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Um, So you want to add anything technically before we move on? No. No? Well, we're not. uh, In the past, we've simulcasted to Facebook also. uh, We're not going to do that. uh, so if you want to talk with us, you can live chat with us in YouTube. Nice, nice, nice feature. So let's go ahead and begin by uh, uh, looking at uh, the Christ Factor. Nope. <laughs> there you go. It's funny how technology is meant to make things easier. Yeah, it's supposed to, but it doesn't always. Yeah. Um, in don't, the worry, Christ, don't worry, you have the whole show to fix it. Yep, there you go. In the Christ Factor, we are we left off in the book of Colossians, and we will be finishing up, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, Colossians in season six. We're in chapter three. And I just want to go ahead and begin by reading at the beginning of chapter three uh, to pick up where we left off because of the importance of what's being said here as we read through uh, Colossians chapter 3. This is directed towards the church at Colossae. It is, it is fundamental to understanding uh, the direction that the Apostle Paul is coming from. Uh, it, is part, it is Pauline theology. It is part of um, uh, how it is that we as believers should view ourselves. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ appears, uh, when Christ, who is uh, your, in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly uh, in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, 
covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Let's go back for a second then to the first verse that we see here uh, in Colossians chapter 3. And just point out here that the Apostle Paul is talking to those who have been raised to walk a new life with Christ. In other words, he's referring back to a staple within Pauline theology. He's speaking to those who are disciples of Christ who have been baptized. In, In Pauline theology... The Apostle Paul is very clear if you read the book of Romans, for exactly, uh, where, where he, um, he states clearly that the process that one goes through is that if you, do, if you uh, profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, that part of that process is not only that you repent, but that you are baptized, dying to the old self and raising to walk a new life, immersed in, uh, baptized in the waters of immersion and raised to walk a new life. So that the, the symbolism of baptism is that the old life is dead. When you are immersed under the water, uh, it's as if you're in the grave. And when you raise up out of the water, it, you are a new person in Christ. This is, uh, this is uh, in, integral to understanding uh, what the Apostle Paul is saying. And uh, if you want to know more about this process of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, then uh, you could go back to seasons two and three, I believe, where uh, we spend the whole time looking at the whole process of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. But at the very beginning, you know, there is the acknowledgement of the acknowledgement of who Christ is, and then the repentance for uh, for our sin and for our offenses against God, and then baptism and then beginning to walk a new life, uh, being baptized, being raised to walk a new life, uh, setting forth our look not upon who we were as individuals before Christ, but who God has created us to be and how we might conform to the image of Jesus Christ. So he is staying right here at the very beginning in developing his theology. This is for you who have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You want to add anything? Um, I'm just wondering how you're importing baptism into that. Because he states, quite frankly, uh, if then you have been raised with Christ. Right. Raised to walk a new life in Christ. Right. So I'm just, I'm just, but that that is, that, that is the, that is the position the apostle Paul takes, uh, um, in the book of Romans and throughout his theology. Okay, so... That the disciple of Christ goes through that process of baptism so, in order to be died to self, raised to walk a new life. But but it's not necessarily in the text it's here, not, in this text. It's not in the text. It's understanding, it's understanding uh, Pauline theology. If you, read, if you have one of those Bibles where it gives you other verses to go back mm-hmm. to and read... Um, uh, one of the verses that it would take you back to is in the book of Romans Mm -hmm. where the Apostle Paul states this because he then further states this. This is as if he is restating in a summary fashion the first uh, six chapter, well, uh, chapter 6 through 12 uh, in the book of Romans because he then immediately goes on to explain that if you, for those who have been raised, if you then have been raised, seek the things that are above. He says, set your your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are of earth. So one of the things he says in the book of Romans, chapter twelve, is that uh, we are to be renewed in our thinking. It is our, the renewal of our minds that allows us to move forward and to live with Christ. Right. So I'm just wondering. Um, how you how you connect this to like Christian living? Do you think that if a person hasn't been baptized, for instance, that they don't have 
power over sin or that they haven't been raised with Christ? It is my position from understanding Pauline theology and dealing with individuals in, in how they seek to live out their life uh, that if they have not been baptized, if they've not gone through the process of, of uh, repenting of their sin and accepting the claims of Christ and being baptized, that as they seek to walk a, uh, a life in Christ as a disciple of Christ, if they have not been baptized, they are powerless to overcome the, uh, the uh, sin which is uh, connected with self in their life because self is not dead. What if they don't have the opportunity to get baptized? Uh, you mean they die? No. I mean, obviously, if they <laughs> die. I, I, the thing that I'm concerned about is equating baptism with salvation. Uh, no, this it's is, not the same thing. Because when we say, well, and, that's, and that's why I'm asking for clarification, because when, when you use a term like powerless, right? So, like, where, when, I guess, when is the point of power? Um, for a Christian to start living differently, and can a Christian, can a, can a Christian um, who hasn't been baptized yet, can that Christian claim that the reason why they don't have any power in their life is because they weren't baptized yet, and then uh, vice vice versa, can a uh, older Christian claim that the reason why you know a person um, hasn't been living the way that they should in living with a lack of maturity isn't a matter of choice, but is more a matter of the timing of their, you know, their steps and their faith. Can, can it be used as an excuse? Um, interesting questions, Josh. I think that, that, um, let's try to address your questions one step at a time. So sure. baptism is not, is not tied to salvation. So salvation meaning being covered by the blood of Christ and being for, forgiven of our sins. Um, but we are called to walk, to follow uh, Jesus Christ and to, and to no longer be subject to the dictates of self. So if you go back and you do a study into, into Scripture, even for the early church, before the ministry of the Apostle Paul, for example, um, one of the what what you find is that Im the immediate call for those who professed faith in Jesus Christ was to be baptized. Take for example the case of the conversion of the Ethiopian, Ethiopian. Mm -hmm. and and uh, and that he was immediately after after the Ethiopians were immediately. Uh, given the gospel and accepting of the gospel, they were immediately told to be baptized. So the the emphasis of Scripture is that 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 needs to be an immediate thing. Why does it mean that? Does, that doesn't mean in all practicality that it's followed. But the emphasis of Scripture is that that needs to be an immediate thing, because it is it, it is that process by first of all baptism is an identification with us as disciples of Christ um, to Christ whom we now serve and we no longer serve the flesh. We no longer serve self. So in our sin, in, in, uh, as, as descendants of Adam, we are um, incapable uh, within ourselves of overcoming sin. And that's the reason why Jesus Christ came to begin with, because we are incapable in ourselves of overcoming sin. So from a biblical standpoint, I'm clear in my understanding of Scripture that uh, Scripture is very clear that baptism is an integral and necessary part of the life of the believer. In, in, that, in, that, the, in that the believer... In my experience, the believer who has not been baptized is powerless, and I use that word uh, in a distinct fashion, powerless to overcome the, the, uh, the influence that self has over their life because self no, is, is not dead. 
So can they claim then that they haven't been baptized yet? So therefore, they you know don't have to be held accountable for their actions, pre, like post getting saved, but pre baptism. Well, uh, what we find in scripture, or at least what I what I what I find and understand scripture. If you go into if you go into the um, uh, First Corinthians, in First Corinthians, there's uh, there's an allusion of the Apostle Paul to, to noting that as, as, uh, as disciples of Christ, or as people in general, um, we are held according to our knowledge. We are held accountable to according to our knowledge. So it is not, it is not the power of God that is diminished by, um, by our lack of understanding and actions, but it is our ability to be able to live uh, for Christ uh, as we go forward. Because it is, and uh, in, in the Apostle Paul uh, explains this in greater deal in chapter 6 through 8 in the, uh, in the book of Romans where he talks specifically about the fact that there, there will be this ongoing struggle of the believer... Uh, to deal with those things which are godly and those things which are of the flesh. And there will be an ongoing struggle. The difference is, is that, is that the one who is the disciple of Christ who has been baptized, he can go back to that event in time, to that place in time, and he can say in a victorious manner, Satan, get behind thee for I, was, uh, I am now associated with Christ and, and uh, self and sin no longer have to control me. The person who has not been baptized does not have the ability to say that. Why? Because they haven't been baptized. So, okay, but then that person, so then, so the implication then is that baptism has an extra level of power, right? Uh, that's what scripture teaches. Well, does it? Yes. So where does it teach that? Can you find any place else that says differently? Well, that's that's an argument from uh, the apostle absence. Paul is very clear in the book of Romans, in Colossians, and in other places that as as disciples of Christ, uh, we who have been raised to walk a new life in Christ are to put on the mind of Christ. Right. I agree. You cannot do that unless you have been baptized. So a person who dies before they've been baptized, they haven't put on the mind of Christ, and they're not raised with Christ. You mean if they, if they, well, you're using raised in the sense of raised from the, from the dead. Well, I'm just being consistent. Which is That's... within, no, you know, you're using raised in the sense that the, that they've been raised from, from physical death. That's within the power of God. And that's outside our, of, that has nothing to do with being able to walk successfully as a disciple of Christ. So you think there's two raisings here. So like when he says you've been raised to new life with Christ in verse one, you think that that is not like new life, raised to new life with Christ is not uh, speaking of um, eternal salvation the resurrection of the dead or eternal salvation no it's not so it's he's, speaking of he's addressing a problem remember when the apostle paul writes to these churches he's addressing a problem he's addressing issues that are within the church and in the church of Colossae, there was a problem with sin there was a problem with people who were who were saying that they were disciples of christ but were not walking as they were disciples of christ and he's saying look here's the issue the issue is if you have been raised, it's a it's a it's a, a one is predicated on the other. He says, if you have been raised, then this is your position. And you are to set your mind on the things that are above and not the things that are below. But if we look at verse four, it says, And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory, right? Sharing in all his glory isn't isn't a reference to maturity in Christ, is it? Because that's when you talk about raised to Christ, it sounds like what you're talking about is spiritual maturity through sanctification. Well, he's, he's holding out, in, in, as I read this, he's holding out the, uh, the, 
the ultimate goal for the believer is to be able to live with Christ in glory. And so he holds that out. Right, as but what, a, is, what does that mean? Because uh, what I hear you saying is to share in all his glory is a reference to spiritual maturity through sanctification. But as I read this passage, this is talking about his actual revealed glory in eternal salvation when he will finally demonstrate, when everything is summed up, who he is. The two are not exclusive to the other. He's simply alluding to the fact that one of the things that believers look forward to is the fact that we will live in glory with Jesus Christ. Right. That's, does that, that mean spiritual maturity, or does that mean does that mean that means we will be in the physical presence of God? Okay, so that's like great white throne of judgment, all of that. Like, yeah. yeah okay, so yeah. that's not talking about spiritual maturity then. That's not talking about spiritual maturity. He's he's uh, using that as a way to say our ultimate goal as uh, as believers is that we want to be in the presence of God when we physically die and God creates a new heaven and a new earth. We will be with Christ in glory, and that's that's something to be looked forward to. But the but the ability to be able to to walk with Christ now uh, is dependent upon our ability to live uh, for him and to bring glory to Christ through how we live. And that's the reason why he says, put away these things. He says right after that, put to death, therefore, in other words, if you want to live with Christ in glory, put to death, therefore, uh, that which is uh, earthly that is in you. Right. So you would posture or postulate, whatever, you would say that a person can't begin the journey of putting those things away until they have been baptized. Mm -hmm. I would, yes, I would, I would say that the root, if I, if I'm dealing with a believer who is having, uh, substantial issues with whatever it might be with, uh, you know, covet, covetness or, uh, thievery or, or uh, anger or pornography mm -hmm. or, or some type of sexual uh, hang-up that they have which is tied to their flesh, the first question I'm going to ask them is after you um, accepted the truths of, of Jesus Christ as presented in Scripture, were you baptized? Did you repent right. of your position and were you baptized? So I think the question... That's going to be my first question. Well, I think the question is why... And and I don't think is it your because you're implying that they they're saved right? Yeah, that's not the so issue. that's not going to be in question. That's see, not the issue. See, they're covered me, by the blood of Christ. See, so. for me, the implication is whether they're saved, because as I understand baptism, I understand baptism to be an outworking of our faith, not 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 a starting point for our journey. I understand baptism from the standpoint that that if you're you know, if you're if you're one of the criminals hanging on the cross, yeah, and and you know, your uh, Christ says to the uh, criminal, you know, who listened to him and and said, you know, you will be with me, right, in glory. Our ability to to be with Christ in glory is not dependent upon who we are, yeah. Or, or what we do is dependent upon the, the shed blood of Christ on the cross. We Alone, are covered. Right? Yes, we are covered by the blood of Christ, and all that God sees is that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sin. The Apostle Paul uses that word to understand that we are saved by the work of Christ's blood on the cross, not by what we do. Right, so the blood is what cleanses us, right? That's correct. So but, then isn't the blood operating as baptism? No. No, <laughs> sorry that that was not our producer's problem. That was my problem. <laughs> Salvation is not what is at issue here. What is at issue here is the ability now of the disciple of Christ to live in such a way that they are no longer captivated and struggling with self, which dominates those who have not come to Christ and who are not uh, disciples of Christ. Uh, because, and, and so if you give a lip service to, to, uh, 
to saying that you want to follow Christ, but you don't follow through with aligning yourself with him, then you will, in my understanding, and, you know, I've dealt... <laughs> I've got yes. Insert know. anecdotal evidence. I understand, but the the on the, anecdotal you, evidence in that I've known Christ since I was twelve. Yeah, and I'm old. I'm not discounting and it. I've I dealt just with many people. I'm, I'm not discounting it. I just don't find anecdotal evidence in this compelling. The but when we go back to scripture and the point that you made, you brought up the um, you brought up the thieves on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. So like the thief that has like a real faith. If he didn't get baptized, then he can't have the full expression of his faith. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't live if he if the if the Romans said, you know what, like they would. But if the Romans said, you know what, we were wrong. We're going to take you down from the cross and we're going to let you live, mm -hmm. uh, and you can die another day. Yeah. Uh, not a Bond film. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But you can die another day. Mm -hmm. um, then uh, in order for him to be able to be successful in his uh, walk as a disciple of Christ, he would need to be baptized. Why? And because that is the pattern which is set in Scripture. But, but it wasn't necessary for him on the cross. Because he was going to be dead. Well, but do you see what you've, you've done is created two circumstances where in one circumstance, marching up to death, yeah, it's a minute or an hour away, but he's marching up to death an hour away. He doesn't need to be baptized. But if it's past a certain time limit, say a day later or whatever, the Romans are going to let him live, then he does need to be baptized. So what is the standard then for his Christian maturity? And if it was a Christian... He will, he will have no Christian maturity uh, because death is imminent at his door. What? But don't you think that facing death the way that he did, where he put his faith in Christ as death was there, don't you think that that is an expression of full Christian maturity? No. Okay, so you would contend that he was he was immature in that moment. Yes. Yes. I and, think and, that's and probably his, why. I think and, and his maturity only takes place when he goes through the process of sanctification and learning how it is, not justification, you're talking justification. Sanctification is learning how it is to live as a disciple of Christ for Jesus Christ and not being overcome by self, which is dead because you have aligned yourself through baptism, as our Lord was baptized, so you don't need to be baptized so that you may be able to walk successfully. So I'm actually not talking about justification. You are conflating justification and sanctification. Justification is the work of Christ on the cross. Yes, let's define terms for our audience. So justification is speaking about salvation, where God justified mankind legally, through the price that was paid by Christ on the cross. Yes. Sanctification is the maturing of a believer where he becomes uh, like the like the justification that occurred. So slowly but surely he's you know he's he's a he's getting polished to the point where he becomes worthy, if you will, um, of representing God the way you know like it, it was a worthwhile investment. Sanctification turns him into a worthwhile investment. Sanctification is that process whereby we begin to uh, conform right. to the Word of God and live life in such a way that our life reflects the holiness and righteousness of God that, that we have aligned ourselves Which, with. Which, according to you, we can't do without baptism. That's Yes, that's what I'm saying. So the thief on the cross who conformed his faith... And fortunately, we have a second. We have a second person on the cross, also who refused. Who refused? Right. So now we know that it's not, you know, impossible for him to refuse. It's not like he, well, he had to conform. No, he chose to conform. So, for some reason, that choosing to conform because it took place within a small amount of time is not a sanctified act. I believe not. But but, but you but you have no metric to justify that, right? I have no metric to justify it except to understand that and we're not talking about we're not talking about one incident 
that is uh, which is particular to our Lord hanging on the cross. We're talking about the flow of Scripture, which, as I've already pointed out, and there are other places, but we have Colossians, Romans, we have in the book of Acts, uh, uh, the uh, the Ethiopian situation. Uh, we have sure. we have several. Christ, we yeah. have we have the flow of Scripture. Is that if you are a disciple of Christ, part of the process of of demonstrating that that is so is that you are to be baptized. Do you believe that, uh, like Moses, for instance? Do you believe that Moses um, post Christ? will be baptized or, you know, got baptized maybe in the transfiguration or something like that. It's not theologically germane to what we're talking about, Josh. Well, it is because every person who believes then has to be baptized in order to have the full expression of their faith. Moses is not living day to day as a disciple of Christ. But there's that term, there's day to day again. Like, where are you getting that that concept? Now, now. In life, now. Well, I mean, he did live when Christ lived. Moses? Yes, him and Elijah both showed up during the transfiguration. Why didn't they go to John the Baptist and get baptized? I mean, your, he could have been dead at that point. But what, He was dead at that point, Josh. And you're, you're, I, I don't want to confuse our audience to understand that what I'm talking about is your ability mm-hmm. as a believer to live in your daily life right now as a disciple of Christ is dependent upon you being true to what Scripture says the process is. I don't want to confuse our audience either. So here's here's my concern. Maybe we can meet minds on this. My concern is that a believer thinks, is if a believer thinks that the reason why they are not conforming to what God has for them is because they haven't gotten baptized versus because they haven't made a choice in the power that's bestowed upon them in their salvation. For me, as I understand it, the difference to me is, is the same discussion about circumcision. Abraham, uh, Abraham was not a Jew. Everybody after Abraham was a Jew and Abraham was circumcised because of his faith. Whereas the people after Abraham were circumcised because of the law. So I don't want to turn baptism into another law. I want to make sure that baptism is understood to be an act of faith versus that baptism is understood to be the way that we get to our sanctification. I understand you're not saying that it's the way we get to our justification, but at a certain point we can use it as an excuse to make it our sanctification, which is Almost as good as justification if that's how you're going to view it. We can't, for me, I can't say to, um, I can't say to, a, to a person I'm counseling that, the re- that you have an excuse for your choices, your non-believing choices, because you haven't been baptized yet. I can say that if you get baptized, this is an act of faith on your part that will help you in the future to make your choices better. I can say that that baptism is evidence of your faith, and therefore those declarations will help you in the sanctification process and might even be necessary to the sanctification process. But I can't excuse somebody's behavior because they haven't you know, gotten baptized. I'm not exactly sure where you get the idea that you would excuse anything. I'm simply saying that, you know, when I deal with people and I counsel people who are caught up in sin, who are caught, we're talking specifically about those that claim to be disciples of Christ. Right. When I deal with somebody who is caught up in sin and, and acts as though they are powerless, the first thing I'm going to go back to is, did you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Mm-hmm. Did you repent of your sin? And were you baptized? Those are the three central questions I'm going to ask before we even proceed. Because if you're living as if you have no power and you haven't been baptized, that's because you have no power. That's where I come from, and that's where I believe the gist of Scripture comes from. Now, you can agree or disagree, but I will tell you this, that I have uh, antidotally, I have lived a long life, and I have lived under the tutelage of many different types of theological systems. 
and and uh, oftentimes the uh, inability for people to live as disciples of the disciples of Christ uh, with success is because uh, people have been um, those who are in positions of teaching have uh, not taught uh, people how to understand uh, that they are to be able to live successfully as, as uh, believers. Yeah, but there's a difference between causation and correlation. I don't want to exasperate this any longer. This is what I believe Scripture teaches. And the Apostle Paul is clearly saying in Colossians, as he does in Romans, as he does in other places, that the fact that, that as disciples of Christ, we uh, are to live as though a sin is dead, as self is dead and no longer exists. And we are conformed to the image of Christ who is risen. And you cannot live as one. The simple fact is you cannot live as one who has died to sin if, in fact, you have not. And that's my position. And I will not change that position. I just want to be biblically minded. There are plenty of examples in Scripture where people lived, even for a short time or for long periods of time, without the act of baptism. I know of nobody. Yeah, I have no. I know of no examples in Scripture where um, where people who uh, who people who dis- were who who be- said that they believed in Christ were not challenged to be baptized. One hundred percent agree with you. Even those who had uh, claimed that they were disciples of Christ. Uh, in the book of Acts, there were a group that claimed to be disciples of Christ, uh, and uh, they were they questioned. They didn't have power. And they, and they were questioned mm-hmm. as to whether they had been baptized, and they had not been, and they were challenged that they needed to be baptized. See, that's a compelling argument. That, like, that argument, I think, is worth exploring. Well, the Ethiopians, this group well, in the but book Well, but that's not compelling. But that, that argument, because there's an actual discussion about them having power, you know, and they need to get baptized, that's actually a compelling argument if you wanted to carry the discussion further, which I know you don't. Um, that being said, I want to make my position clear. I believe baptism is a central tenet of Christianity and that we're supposed to be baptized. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be. I'm saying that it's a demonstration of our faith and that a person who refuses to demonstrate that clearly will have no power because clearly they're not wanting to demonstrate their faith, which calls into question whether they have it at all. Well, one is not exclusive to the other, Josh. The reality of it is is that, yes, all that we do as disciples of Christ is an element of our faith. It is the 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 uh, the tendon uh, the tenets of that which we follow all, are all based upon faith. Yeah, but it's there a, is no guarantee. It's a lot like marriage. People aren't married because they have a certificate. The certificate should speak to the fact that they're married. And so when a person gets married, in other words, gets a certificate before the state, sure, makes what sense. they're doing is acknowledging the fact that this is true. Could they be married before God without that certificate? I think the answer is yes. But if they have the opportunity to get married and they refuse to get married by the state, then you have to ask a question of why. Well, there are broader questions in regard to commitment and yeah, yeah, yeah. Other, That's what I'm saying. If, they, if they're not interested in regard, in regard to marriage, and so then for, I would ask that question: Why a person would would not get baptized if they have the opportunity? But I wouldn't say that they would, uh, and I would make the conclusion it's because they don't have the commitment that they say they do. But I wouldn't say that they're not that they don't have a. a the ability to have a relationship with God unless they're baptized. Right. I, I again, for the it's benefit nuanced, I suppose. Right. It is nuanced, and and but for the benefit of uh, you know of our listeners, the, the, this is a deeper theological discussion, and I believe one that is important for the church today. And th- what I would ask you to consider is simply this. You know, when you decided to be a disciple of Christ, 
you know, did you, you acknowledged his uh, sovereignty and the truth of uh, what he claimed and you were willing to follow him? You know, did you go through the process of, of uh, his prescriptions? Yeah. Did you go through the process further of aligning yourself uh, with him as he was baptized? So we too are baptized. And the symbolism that exists is a powerful symbolism, dying to self and being raised to walk a new life in Christ. And that then allows us to be able to uh, live as disciples of Christ because we now change the way that we think, being geared not towards living for self. The problems that come about for for uh, for believers is that uh, that powerful draw towards wanting to uh, satisfy self. Mm-hmm. And, and the power to have over that is to say, no, you're dead. Self is dead, and I live to glorify God, and I am learning how to do that as a disciple of Christ. That would be the position that I take. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we can both agree. And I want to make it clear: there's no argument here. Baptism is not merely descriptive; it is prescriptive. Yeah, it is what we are told we are supposed to do, and for good reason. I just have a you know. We have a differing opinion as to maybe why. Sure. But um, it is supposed to happen. Okay. Well, and this is good. I mean, this is part of why we have the Christ factor, so we can explore what Scripture has to say. Yeah. So we have guidance as to how it is that we are to live and uh, to bring glory to God. So we're going to close this. We're going to pick up uh, next week in uh, Chapter 3 and continue this discussion of how then shall we live if we have aligned ourselves to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's close this uh, discussion and go into uh, our discussion in regard to relationship. She got it this time. So we left off our discussion um, last year with a discussion in regard uh, to uh, relationships and the importance of relationships. And for time's sake, we're not going to have a lot of time to discuss this today, except to say that last year we closed as okay, so just to bring everybody back up to speed. The issue of relationship is a significant one um, because uh, we have been created in the image of God. And, and if we look at uh, God and we understand who he reveals himself to be in scripture, he is a relational God. Even the the uh, the description that he gives themselves, uh, himself as a triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, speaks to uh, an interplay in a relationship that exists there. So when we are created by this God, uh, he has created us to bear his image, then that makes us uh, relational in nature. Yep. And we have been exploring uh, the depths of understanding what that relationship looks like from the standpoint of our relationship with God. And then we extended that out to the intimate that relationships that exist within, uh, within our lives. Um, uh, husband and wife, children, um, so those within the familial unit uh, for us to be able to uh, have a look-see and say, what does what is that relationship supposed to look like from a uh, from a biblical standpoint? And now we are at the beginning of going outside of the immediate familial to begin to look at the issue of what does relationship look like inside of the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul describes uh, the church as the body of Christ. And, and so what, what does that look like? And how uh, are you, as a member of the body of Christ, to interact with your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in the context of relationship? What is your relationship to that body? And how do you then um, relate as you continue to walk? And that will be the the thrust of what it is that we're looking at uh, in this coming year. Yeah. Anything? 
No, I think that's fairly succinct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's where we're headed with that, and it will be an interesting discussion because we we uh, you, you you need to think about the fact that that um, you are you are more relational than you think you are. Mm-hmm. You have a relationship with all kinds of things. There's almost nothing that you don't have some relationship with in one form or another. Some of those relationships are healthy. Some of those relations are not mm-hmm. healthy uh, and counterproductive to what you may want to accomplish, what you should be wanting to accomplish as a disciple of Christ. And so to understand them and to then begin to uh, examine them is, uh, is I believe, a healthy step, and that's what we're going to seek to do. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and uh, close out this section in, or with that, and we'll come back to it in more depth um, next week. Let's go ahead and close out this section, and I want to uh, open up a new section for Season 6, uh, which uh, which I will call, and we haven't developed a song for it. Or, a cart. Can we have or, a cart or, for it? Or anything like that, but... Um, uh, this is a, a section that I would call um, uh, successful living tips uh, from Pastor Monte. Oh no, God! <laughs> no, God, please, no! Probably not. What no, I, probably not going to be the entry I, to I that. I think that's going to be the, the entry, but what I can say to that is, wow. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so, in order for you to be um, uh, successful, so what what I intend for this to be is that uh, I, in my old age, and uh, I'm there's no secret. I'm 67. I'll be 68. I've known the Lord since I was 12, as as I stated earlier. And uh, you know, I I don't want to go into the whole of my background, but. But the the real the reality of it is is I've seen a lot of life and and seen uh, a lot of things that happen in life, and I have observed that there are just things that people do, or uh, that are that are counterproductive to them being successful on how they live in life. And so I've got some tips that uh, I rely upon uh, strongly for how I live my life. I'm not saying that these are things that that, um, you know, are perfect, but there are things which allow me to be able to be what I would say uh, is successful in how to deal with things. And so I'm just going to be giving you some tips, um, partially because uh, we don't know how much longer we're going to be able to uh, sustain. Especially you. Um, you know, through time with Pastor Oh, Monty. right, right, right. And we, <laughs> and, and we don't... You know, we don't know. Uh, you know, like Josh said, there's there all there's always the the immediacy of uh, the Lord may decide to take me home. Um, yeah, we're gonna so. feel real bad if uh, Truth Time with Pastor Monty gets canceled uh, next week because God decides to <laughs> take him home. There you go. It was prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, we wanted to get down on tape. Uh, some of the uh, things that uh, we, we don't we don't use tape. <laughs> uh, we want we wanted to get down um, somehow. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, on file. So, yeah, on file. That's there you fine. go. On file. Uh, some of those into the things cloud. that yeah into the cloud. Some of those things that uh, years later you might be able to look back and say you know wow. That Pastor Monty, he was uh, he was profound. <laughs> <laughs> that and many other things. <laughs> All right. So uh, here's here's uh, here's my tip for the day, um, and it, it, it's simply this: if you have the ability to affect something in life, then you need to work at affecting it. But if but if you have no power, if it's outside of your control, whatever the situation may be, um, then you need to let it go. Hmm. You need to pray about it. That's part of your ability to control. You need to turn it over to uh, the Lord but, but so that you yield to God's sovereignty. But the reality of it is you need to let it go and not hang on to it and not allow it to frustrate you. 
And I can tell you from personal experience that there are things that just happen. There are things that, that, uh, that side on the side of idiocy and incompetence when you're dealing with bureaucracies. And we have a lot of large bureaucracies today. You've got governments, both large and small. You've got uh, institutions, both large and small, that uh, are going to impose upon you things that um, you just shake your head and go, this is so frustrating. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, you're, you're going to do whatever is within your power to do, and then you're going to turn it over to God and, and not let it uh, control you. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think the best example of that in Scripture, you're not going to be a big fan of this one, but because <clears throat> Pastor Monty, little known fact, is not a big fan of David. But uh, the best example of that in Scripture is when David makes several, a string of idiotic decisions as a cascade failure of morality. And, uh, you know, it ends with his child dying. Yeah. And yeah. no, it's a good example, Josh. Yeah, and his his um, all of his he's you know sitting there and he's in sackcloth and he's doing the whole thing right and he's praying to God right that God sackcloth you know like he's here he's tearing his clothes yeah, he's and in he's, a potato he's sack. wailing before God and he's you know yeah, yeah. yeah and and all of his advisors are like dude this kid's not even dead yet when the kid dies like he's gonna go nuts right and then his kid dies. And then he, like, gets up, puts on clean clothes, you know, and his advisors are like, I do not get this. What is going on? And his response is, God decided. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm good with it. God decided. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good example of uh, of that sort of mentality of, you know, if, if you've come before God and it's out of your control, then there is absolutely no point in you continuing to linger on that point it's disingenuous it's not faithful it's you know and we're talking about a really extreme example too i mean this is the death of of his son so it's not you know it's not a small matter no and there are many people that allow things that they have absolutely no control over to capture their lives and to run their lives yeah Uh, and 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 so you know uh, like i said this is something that this is my tip to you is that, you know, you can pray about it, you can try to contact people that you need to contact, you can, you can write letters, you can do, you know, whatever you need to do. But the bottom line is, if it's out of your control and you're running up against a brick wall, let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. Unfortunately, let it go now carries... I know, that stupid, you know... They took, yeah. <laughs> they took yes. a perfectly good phrase, yeah, and disney it. But yeah. I was I was doing this long before you, that. You know, you, you should know. sue them for <laughs> for <laughs> trademark infringement yeah, or whatever. That's not trademarked. What would be the deal? So that's my tip for I'll you. I bet today. it is now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so Disney. <laughs> look look for uh, yeah. look for more things to come as we do this on a weekly basis. So we're going to end today's uh, broadcast uh, with. Uh, what is my understanding has come to be one of the, the favorites. Uh, what's up with that? So, you know, Josh, you're, uh, you're, you're familiar with Uber Eats. I am. I uh, sometimes work it with my, my buddy, Jasmine, yeah, our old and, producer. And uh, there's an interesting clip. Of a uh, Uber Eats uh, driver trying to deliver some food. And the way that he does it is he walks across an ongoing ongoing college (laughs) basketball team. Uh, You know, so they're they're on the the court. They're playing. Like into uh, the middle of a game. Into the middle of the game. He walks across the floor uh, in order to deliver his uh, order of McDonald's. To a participant at the game. <laughs> Wait, was it and a they, player they who caught, it? No, no, no. It was it's a spectator, but but the the camera catches him walking across the court while people are still, <laughs> while people are still playing, and you know the the 
the the the, the referees and the coaches had a good uh, end, uh, and <laughs> they had a good attitude about it. They said, "Hey." The guy's got a job to do, right? Right, I, mean, I guess but, so. But it, uh, you would think that there should be some some discernment there well, that maybe walking across the I'll tell you, is not a good idea. I'll tell you, the Uber Eats drivers are very aggressive. Are they? They yeah. are aggressive. They make weird decisions. And, um, yeah, like I, I've seen like so many cars just like parked you yeah, know, double in, parked in, or in, well, yeah. no, not even like just parked in the middle of the street with oh their hazards goodness. on, <laughs> you know, while people are delivering. You're like, yeah, that's an Uber <laughs> driver. That's that's an Uber Eats person for that, sure. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they make a lot of weird decisions. Okay, so that's my first one. My next one here, um, you know, if you if 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 you travel, please a lot. please tip your Uber Eats drivers. <laughs> there just you go. That out there. An an uh, unabashed plug there. Yeah. Um, if uh, if you travel a lot and uh, you know that the old story is is that it's possible and it happens often to to lose your luggage, and so mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 and I'll just throw in a freebie tip, which many people do now, and that is pack the essentials of what you need in a carry on. Yeah. You know, your underwear, your socks, you and know, put an a change, air tag in a your change of clothes, you know, whatever. But but uh, have something with carry on so that you can have it with you because it is possible and airlines lose luggage all the time. Right. A woman in Oregon oh, uh, lost, hometown. lost her luggage and uh, thankfully um, the luggage did turn up four years later. Wow. And they found they finally found her luggage in Honduras. <laughs> like in <laughs> so, in a Honduran so, airport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she like was she's been circulating? Yeah, yep. Yeah, she was, you know, she was going someplace domestically and they, the, they lost her luggage and uh, yeah, four years later they called her and said, Good news. Found your luggage. Yeah. Four years later. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, like I said, freebie tip to you. Pack every the essentials in the carry-on and try to just do well, uh, and, the and, carry-on. And also these days, you have air tags. Yeah, yeah. And like air tags in particular, they ping whenever an Apple device passes by them. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so you can, if you have an Apple phone, you can track that. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you have, yeah, you can track it even without an Apple phone, but... Uh, and I've seen some pretty crazy things where people have tried to track their devices like all the way down to like straight up like garbage dumps and stuff. They've been yeah. able to wow. find them. Yeah. Did yeah, you? Pretty crazy. This is kind of on the same vein. I don't know if it's what you're going to share, but did you hear about the hide and seek game with? No, I'm guessing not. No. There was. Um, <clears throat> they found they found a boy inside a shipping container. Oh my goodness. They thought that he was human trafficked, but he wasn't. He was playing hide and seek with his friends and went into a shipping and container. He went into and got a shipping in? container and was found six days later across the world in like Malaysia or something. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he was like suffering from yeah. uh, you know, dehydration. Six, six days. And, yeah. 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 So they, they took him out of the. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it apparently was like a, in the Middle East was where they were oh playing the Oh, my goodness. Game. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, Speaking uh, of lost luggage. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so to finish up our, our time today, and I hope you've enjoyed this time, don't forget to click subscribe, do all those things. That Smash that like button. You do. Um, <laughs> you know, as a public service announcement, I like to announce uh, occasionally, uh, you know, job opportunities that are available. You know, there's a mattress company. Um, it's called uh, Dream Junkie, and they're looking for five people uh, to test a theory to see that it works. And the theory is if you eat cheese at night before you go to bed, um, you uh, could have nightmares. <laughs> and they're looking for five people to test this theory. They're, they're, they're paying, they're willing to pay $1,000 for somebody to, uh, for a week. Uh, to basically uh, eat cheese uh, before you go to bed at night and see whether you have nightmares or not. So, hey, if you think that that's something you might want to do, um, then uh, uh, get hold of, um, get hold of uh, um, what they call themselves? Some dream Junkie? Dream Junkie. There you go. That's all I got. Wow. Okay. 
I feel like I do that like pretty much every night. So yeah, do you have nightmares? No, I I don't have nightmares. So well, maybe I do. I I don't get scared of my nightmares. Oh, there you go. So it's a I'm trying to teach my son that you challenge and participate in them. Yes, absolutely. It's like when you're falling and you think you're falling, and then the normal person would go, "Oh, I'm gonna," and then you you go. I'm falling. No, I'm going to turn into Superman. Yeah, and now and, I'm flying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, very, I'm very much a lucid dreamer, and yeah. uh, I try to teach my son that. So, yeah. uh, Okay. Well, I guess we'll close out the show. Uh, hey, we don't have a card for that, right? That's that's still my, my gig, yeah? All right. We're, we're still trying to figure out the new system, but here we go. If you're someone who's seeking answers and you want to know more about your faith or you're new to Jesus Christ in the Bible, please check out more at abfstudios.org. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of ABF, a church headquartered in the PDX area of Oregon. ABF makes helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large through ABF Studios. If you're one of those who's enjoyed our resources, remember to like, subscribe, and share them and our podcast. And remember, you can find it all at abfstudios.org. Please take a second to do that so you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. And remember, that content is shared every Tuesday at 11 a.m. I am Pastor Josh, your co-host and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty.